0: Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Well, my name is Rick, my wife's name is Patty. She's five foot one and a half. She's got blonde hair and blue eyes. She comes up to about here on me and I love her to pieces. Uh, Adrian could go on and on about Lisa. No woman on the face of the earth has more crowns in heaven, I think, than Lisa Dupre. Uh, After all, she has to put up with his antics. Um, but, uh, But he's a special guy. Adrian and I were in seminary together. And if you want to talk about a challenge, we were in preaching class together. And on one day of the week, we had to give our practice sermons And the first person that got into class wrote their name on the board and went first. And Adrian always beat me to class. And so when we gave our practice sermons, I had to follow Adrian. Uh, That's why I'm not a preacher today. So, no, he's a special guy. Love him a bunch. Uh, And I want to follow up on what we did at retreat. I want to read a passage of Scripture. And I want you to think about this passage of Scripture. And then I have... A little challenge for some of you. So, our message is about grace. Titus 2, a small epistle uh, in the New Testament, is where we want to go. So, let me read this, chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you." So, our theme this year is the Word. And getting in the Word. And so Dr. Smith at convocation talked about the power of the Word to save, to train, transform us. And I want to talk about grace. Grace doesn't get its due sometimes. We cheapen grace by the way we define it and by the way that we live. Um, It's the engine behind the Word of God. It's how God takes the power of the Word and brings it into our life. And when we were up at retreat, If you remember, and some of you are still healing from injuries at the retreat, Uh, if you remember, we were challenged in many, many ways. Some to give their heart to Christ for the first time. Others to rededicate, rededicate and say, Lord, I mean this. I need to go after this. And others to be more bold, to share the word, to speak into people's lives and to just shout out what God's grace has done for us. And a bunch of people stood. So I texted Adrian, uh, Coach Ritchie, Jeremy Kingsley. Uh, so this is approved by them. But if you were brave enough to stand up there, I want to ask if you would stand here this morning. If you made any one of those decisions, would you be willing to stand right here, right now, in this crowd, and say, yeah, I did something, and I meant it? Stand if you would, please. Thank you. I appreciate that. You can, you can have a seat. Dr. Rogers said it up here, the joy and the thing that sustains me at CIU is you. Uh, if all of the problems and the discipline and all that stuff got under my skin, I'd have quit even before Dr. Rogers got here. Wow. <laughs> But seeing what God does in your lives, to see many of you through the years have that aha and get it with God, just juices me and just keeps me going. I am currently, uh, my wife and I are supporting a recent grad, Uzgar Jordan. Uh, he's Turkish, came here, uh, met his wife here, and he's back in Turkey doing some church planning. And Usker sends updates and the connections that he is making with people, just these contacts out of the blue. People that I had a dream about Jesus, can you tell me about him? Or I saw this guy in white, can you tell me who he is? Amazing stuff that's going on. And I just hear, that's the guy that came to CIU and God has taken him around the world. And that story is repeated over and over and over downtown Columbia in the marketplace, in the pulpit, around the world. And that is the joy of working at CIU, whether you're an administrator or faculty or me, to see students go out there and get it and understand the grace that I want to talk about today. It is an absolute joy. Let me pray and we'll dig in. Father, for those people that just stood a minute ago, I would just rejoice with them at what you're doing in their lives. Lord, never let them forget why they stood. And I pray that you would just pester them <laughs> with that, in a good way, the way that you do, to draw them to yourself, to establish them in you, and then, Lord, by your grace, to equip them to do what you've called them to do. Lord, I know there's questions. I know the enemy will come to attack and cause doubt, Cause them to procrastinate, put things off. But I pray for all of us that we would continue to pray and that your spirit would work in them and bring people around them that can walk them closer with you. And so Lord, my heart this morning is primarily for those that stood, but it's for all of us that we would understand and know your grace and that we would walk in it And let more than anything, Lord, out of a response for what you've done for us, we wouldn't cheapen your grace, but we would live in the power of it. So we commit it to you this morning, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So first of all, in the passage, we see that God's grace has appeared. There used to be, I don't know if he still has a cooking show, but anybody know the chef Emeril, Emeril Lagasse? So Emeril would be cooking And what would he do? He would take spice and he would bam. That bam is God's grace appearing. If you've ever been to the beach and you've gotten up early enough to go out and watch the sunrise, I know as the sun approaches the horizon you see the lightning that happens there. You see what used to be dark. You begin to see what's out there. But there is nothing that compares when that sun breaks the horizon and all of a sudden. Pow, it's there. That's God's grace. We were an absolute mess. And what's happened in us, what we're about right here, means nothing if it wasn't for God's grace. The world, spiritual life, religion, call it whatever you will, comes to a screeching halt if God's grace hadn't come. It's what makes Christianity what we believe distinct and different because God's grace appeared in darkness in man's wisdom grace appeared and shone brighter and pointed us to Christ and what he's done salvation is by grace Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 for by grace you're saved through faith And you see by grace in one color, and you see faith in another color. We'll come back to faith in a little bit. But faith is our part, but grace is all God's. Why is that? It's not our own works. It's all that He's done, because we don't have anything to brag about except for Christ and Christ alone, what He's done for us. If you look over in Romans talks about it, it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through who? Jesus Christ. And then you see again, highlighted, by faith in this grace in which we stand. God's salvation is that grace in which we stand, and again, we obtain that by faith. And again, we'll come back to faith in a little bit. But I want you to understand clearly that salvation is a gift from God, that apart from what Christ has done, we can do nothing. And I know the struggles that so many people have, not just students, but people, people I've talked to at our church that just feel like there has to be something that I can do. I am such a miserable person. There has to be something. I need to get to a certain point so that God. Will accept me. And God says, no, please don't. And when you read through the New Testament, you see Jesus walking around. He went to people that the religious leaders looked down on. How can you hang around those people? And Jesus said, those are exactly the people that I came for. And here's people that from the eyes of man needed to fix themselves to get right with God. God says, don't. I'm going to come to you. And so stop your striving because grace is there. Why is grace so necessary? Because without it we are an absolute mess and we're in desperate, desperate shape. So point number one, God's grace has appeared. It is here today and forever. His grace is here. But second of all, His grace is in abundance. Let's look at these verses again. Therefore, since we've been just. Oops, that was the wrong one. So, His grace has appeared, but it trains us. Remember Dr. Smith's message, the word comes in and it trains us. It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Why is grace so necessary? Grace is necessary for salvation, but grace is necessary for our life right here, right now. If you're striving after something, if you're trying to do this in your character and it's just not happening, Lord, I want to do this for you and it's not happening. Ask yourself, where is God's grace in that? Better yet, ask yourself, where is your faith in God's grace? Our striving after him doesn't do it. Our effort is not what he's interested in per se. He's interested in our heart. You can't earn God's favor and his merit. It's given by grace. So God's grace trains us. It equips us to be who he's called us to be. If you stood and you made a decision for Christ in whatever way that was, it's his grace that's going to do that within you. It's not going to be your effort. You will work and you will participate and you will be trained by grace. But it is not your effort. My training happened when I transferred to a school like CIU in Tennessee. My junior and senior year in high school, my freshman year in college, I had incredibly foul mouth, had a very sharp tongue, very good at getting a laugh at somebody else's expense. And God convicted me of that. And a professor at the school up there, Dr. Brown, invited me and a couple other guys to join him at 6 o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays at the Country Kitchen in Dayton, Tennessee. And I don't know if Country Kitchen was spelled with two Ks, but it doesn't matter, but it was still good food. But we met at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we talked about ourselves. And I said, here's what I need to get out. And I'd been working on it and striving after it, and I think I was doing okay with it, but I still heard those words all the time and had to swallow those words. And so Dr. Brown said, Rick, here's what you're going to do. Psalm 141, three and four, set a guard O Lord over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice, practice deeds of wickedness with men who do iniquity and don't let me eat of their delicacies. A little different version than that one right there. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. God, I need your help. I can't do it on my own. I need your grace to help me to do that. Anything that you want to do is going to come through God's grace. And as our emphasis is this year, the word of God, by God's grace, has the power to change who we are. The training that Dr. Smith talked about right here again. In God's Word, talking about training us. And so I memorized that verse and I worked over and over and I said, Lord, can you help me keep those things out of my mind? And he's done an amazing thing in my life. So entrenched, but cleansed from that. And I'm so thankful for what he's done. Christ in us empowers us to live the way that we were supposed to. But why the good works? Why do we make the effort? Why do we need to do that? I thought grace was about me kicking back and God doing it all for me. Well, that's cheap grace. That says, hey God, thanks for everything. I'll get back to you later. Grace is not opposed to effort at all. It's opposed to the notion that I'm trying to earn merit from God. God gives so freely. Think about it this way. If I went home today and said, Patty, I've been thinking it over. I want you to tell me, what's the absolute minimum I can do as a husband and we're still legally married? Wild guess at Patty's response? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not going to go there. But you know what? Salvation is not a transaction. It's a transformation. If I was to stand up in front of the church at my wedding and I was to say something about those minimum requirements in my vows to Patty, that would not be a happy wedding. Patty's mom would probably have come out of her seat and taken me down right there on stage in front of everybody. But we do that all the time with God. God, what's the least I can do for you today and still be okay? God, I'm going to give you 10 minutes every day. Okay? Now be careful. Because if you say, God, I'm going to give you two hours every day. Is that okay? If you're doing that to impress God, then you've missed it completely. It's not a transaction. It's a transformation. It's a relationship. My relationship with Patty is not about what am I supposed to do as a husband. It's my selfless love for her to be in that relationship with her. And that's what it is with God. It's about a relationship. And so how do you want a relationship to be? If you're here, and you're like, man, I wish I had a boyfriend. Man, I wish I had a girlfriend. Then I want you to think about, what would you like that relationship to look like? Is it a list of minimum requirements? I'd like to see you Fridays. I have a little bit of time between my eight and 10 class. So I think we should see each other right there. We'll talk, but we'll be dating. How about that? Man, if you're a gal, And your boyfriend said that to you? Not going to cut it. It's this relationship that drives us. We want to be in there. It's not standing at a retreat. It's not memorizing a verse. It's our heart going out to God and saying, your grace has saved me. Your grace is going to equip me. It's about the transformation. I was watching a... My son and his wife are moving out to Portland and I was watching a message from a, a pastor out there, a church that they want to go to. And he was talking about grace, which was kind of cool for me. But he made this statement, it's not about what happens when you die. It's about happen, what happens when you live. That's what God's grace is about, the right here, right now. Yes, heaven is in your future, in your eternity, but how you live today is what His grace is about. But you go back to our passage, there's some things in there in that training that it talks about. And I'm not here necessarily to preach about sin, but I am for a little bit. These verses tell us that we re- need to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What are those things? What is ungodliness? Well, It would be those things that are not godly. I spent months researching that. What are those things that are ungodly? Those things that displease God, that puts a bad taste in his mouth of what he wants his people to look like. Let your light shine in such a way that people will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. That's what we're pursuing. But we pull it back. And so on our campus, I have young women that come in to me and tell me about guys that catcall, check them up and down, looking at them as objects. That should not be on our campus at all. Guys, if that's where your mind is, Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12 If that's what you choose to do when you're around other guys, where is your heart? We should be honoring one another. Same goes for the social strife, the racial stuff, all this stuff, political. Our country is a mess, and we have the grace to renounce that and live above that. And I'm challenging you to do that. We can We have each other, we have the word, and we have God's grace that empowers us to do that. Just like Dr. Brown had to beat Psalm 141 into me to say, Rick, this needs to come to your mind. When you're thinking about that cuss word, think this. And it worked. My effort not to get God's merit, but to say, God, I want this in my life. Would you train me? Would you equip me? To do this. And so again, if you stood, you can't be idle in that decision. You have to do something. If you gave your heart to Christ for the first time, find somebody. You know somebody that you can talk to. There's tons of faculty here, coaches, student life people, presidents, vice presidents that love you and want you to understand that relationship with Christ. It is nothing to be ashamed about. It is everything to be joyous and proud of. And if anybody looks down in your spirituality as you're trying to pursue that, you come and talk to me. <laughs> because that's what fills me up every day when I come in to work, people choosing to go after it. His grace is real, it works. And so we could put aside ungodliness, but we can put aside worldly passions as well. I ache for you. I think about the stuff that I put up with in college, pre-internet, pre-cell phone, pre-social media, good days, but still fraught with troubles and temptations and things that went on. The way that you are barraged today by the world scares me for you, but at the same time, you have so much potential because of God's grace and you can say no to the world by his grace. And I want you to be able to do that. And if all of that is like, I don't think I can do that. Well, Dan is up here talking about community groups. I'm kind of a floater, but if you wanna be in a group that talks about that and we take that book that we're gonna look through, which talks about this, just living that life out loud by God's grace. If you want to be in a group like that, come and talk to me. I'd love to do that with you guys. How do we do that? We'll go back to those verses at the start. Faith, for by grace you saved through faith, therefore having been justified by faith. Our belief in a God that is powerful and able is where we need to be. So there's some negative stuff that's there, but you can't always be on defense. You need to get out on offense. Athletes, team sports, if all your coach ever taught you was defense, you'd quit the team. This stinks. You know, who cares if we keep the other team low scoring, if we're not doing anything ourselves? And so our defense is to renounce, put off the ungodliness and the worldly passions. But our offense is to do this is to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And that looks like inward. Are we self-controlled inside, outward? Are we living towards one another the way that we should, honoring the Lord in all that we do? And godly lives is upward. And you know, for us to talk about living a godly life, for some of you, it's like, whew, it just doesn't have a good ring to it. I don't really want to do that. But can I tell you from experience that living that kind of life is full of joy and peace and there's fun stuff you can do. When you say I want to live a godly life, you don't check out of anything that's fun. But you check into those things that fulfill you and fill the empty space inside you. Adrian talked about Christ in you, the hope of glory. That hole that was left in us when Adam, and in, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. You remember, Adrian had that illustration up there of this hole there, and Christ comes in and fills us and gives us that hope of glory. And in the last part of verse uh, 12 there, it says, in this present age, God's grace is here, right here, right now. Will you go after it? But it's kind of cool because grace has appeared and grace is there in abundance, but there's an anticipation of grace. I forgot to say again, how do we do those things? It's by faith. Grace is anticipated. I said, it's not about how we, what happens when we die, it's about how we live, which is true. It is about how we live, but the good news is there is something that comes and that's his glorious appearing of when He comes for us again. And that's what the scripture talks about in verse 13 of this passage. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. What we see in that passage is, again, God doing it for us. God, our Redeemer, has not just acted on our, ha- our behalf just once, but He's acted, He is acting, and He'll continue to act until we stand before Him as His people. God's grace never quits, never runs out, never stops. It's waiting to be activated by our faith and saying, God, You are my Redeemer. You have given Jesus Christ Your Son Grace is for salvation, grace is for life. And there's one last aspect in here, grace in action. So you know Christ and to the best of your ability with all the faith that you can muster, you're pursuing that grace and saying, God use me and fill me. And we're at different levels you know, once you become a Christian, a brand new Christian, you start this growth process. Some are further along, but nobody's made it. We're all growing and we're all striving after that. But no matter where we are in that spectrum, we should have an understanding of what ungodliness and worldly passion looks like. We should understand what it means to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. And we can speak into each other's lives And that's what God calls us to do. We live in a living, breathing organism called the church. His body, filled by his grace, activated by our faith in that grace. And we can challenge each other. We can declare these things. And the greatest way to establish yourself in the faith and to free yourself from doubt is by talking about it all the time. You share that with other people. Share your faith with others. And that just gives you that assurance, that understanding that I am resting in God. His grace is there for me. God is so good. And So my challenge for you is in the spirit and the manner of the one who loves you, saves you, and gives you the power who he's called you to be be there for one another? Could CIU be filled with a people zealous for good works, following hard after God? Grace has to be experienced. The more you taste it, the more you want it. And as your faith kicks in and you get it a little bit more, you're just like, God, I I need it some more. He points out where we need it, and he meets us everywhere we go. So, would you let grace take a hold of your life? And by faith, would you say, God, drive me on in the power of your spirit to be who you've called me to be, and then to be there for one another. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Your grace is amazing. It's taken each and every one of us and grabbed us where we were and moved us to where we are. And Lord, for those that may not be sure in that, I pray that you would remind them of your love. And Lord, those that struggle with that, would they rest with confidence through the little faith that we have to lean in a big God. I just remember Dr. Murray Lord, just that illustration, big faith in little things doesn't do so much, but little faith in a big God can do amazing things. So, Lord, teach us to grow in your faith. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. Fill us with your grace to live who you, uh, to be who you want us to be, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.